Okay. So the first question is from Abhay Krishna. He couldn't be on the call today, but um, he sent me a question. It's rather long, so I'm just going to read the whole thing. So Abhay says, my question is around how do we properly conceive the difference in personhood between Krishna and Mahaprabhu? As devotees of them both, it's an interesting position as, mo- as most bhaktas have just one focus of their love, Ram or Narayan, for example. In one sense, this is a lot simpler. Of course, there is only one supreme personality, but isn't it also true that Ram Chandra, Narayan, and Krishna are, for all intents and purposes, completely different persons? So my question is, if we are trying to cultivate feeling feelings for Krishna, is it okay to think quite literally sometimes that he and Mahaprabhu are the same person, the same target we try to love and have emotions for, as in Mahaprabhu is the same Krishna we love with the exact same emotional makeup and is just having almost a very extreme Leela where he dresses up in Radha's Bhav. Can we think of them as not only one in the sense that Krishna and Ram are one and both different aspects or personalities of the Supreme, but with Krishna and Mahaprabhu that they are also one in personality and emotional makeup to an extent? You use the example often of the diamond with many facets and angles to choose which part of the personality of God we will love. So another way to put this question is, do Krishna and Mahaprabhu make up and share one surface of the diamond we put, we can put single-minded focus on? Or do we need to shift the diamond between the two surfaces like one would between Narayan and Ram, for example? Two personalities, two different angles, which could be okay too. But if it's, it's interesting because I think most other bhaktas only have the one side of the diamond they choose to focus on. I think because Krishna and Mahaprabhu are going through the same extreme emotions only via different angles, that it makes them uniquely more the same and one person in a closer, more dynamic sense than all other avatars and personalities of Godhead. I eagerly await your clarification. Question. There's a famous uh, instance in Gaurlila in which uh, Advaita Acharya boldly offers his respects to Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Namo Brahmanya Devaya Go Brahmana Hitaya Cha Jagatitaya Krishnaya Govindaya Namo Namaha. Hmm? So, this is obviously a famous prayer to Krishna. Hmm? Namo Brahmanya Devaya. With the to the Brahmins, the cows, and so forth. Um, um, but he's offering it to, uh, to Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. So there is a difference, yes, between Ram, Chandra, for example, and Krishna, and the way that there is a difference between Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and Krishna. So it's, uh, insightful of you to, um, think about it along those lines. If we look uh, carefully at Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, very closely, we'll see Krishna. If you look very closely at Ramchandra, it will be difficult to see Krishna there. Hmm? But if you, you look very carefully at Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, you'll start to see Krishna. Hmm? Um, he's all about Krishna. Hmm? He is Krishna Chaitanya. He is the consciousness Chaitanya of Krishna. Ram is not in Krishna consciousness, Ram Chandra. <laughs> but Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is fully in Krishna consciousness. So if we look closely at Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, we'll see Krishna. If we look even closer, what will we see? Well, we'll see Radha. Hmm? So Radha, Mahabhav, Rasaraj, Dui Ek Rupa. These two, Rasaraj and Mahabhav, the object of love and the love itself personified in the fullest measure. These two, Dui, Ekrup, coming in one form, that is Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. So Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, that's why sometimes I like to refer, refer to him as Gore Krishna. There's Krishna and there's Gore Krishna. We don't say there's Krishna and there's Gore Ramchandra, Gore Nishringa, or, or Krishna Nishringa, Krishna, excuse me, Krishna, uh, uh, matsya. Hmm? So there is a, there is a difference uh, in the difference between Krishna and the Shringa and Krishna and Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. 
they the latter are one and it actually Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is entirely uh Krishna in a particular moment if you will in if you will in Krishna's uh Leela and that is the <clears throat> moment that that uh constitutes the really the, the acme and the, the zenith of Krishna Leela as deep as you can go into Krishna Leela there you will find the genesis of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. And that, of course, is in the Rasalila. So the whole Bhagavatam builds up to the 10th canto, right? It's speaking about related subjects that are sheltered in an effort to help us understand the shelter-giving subject, which is Krishna. So Avatar Tattva, for example, is one of the sheltered uh uh subjects of the Bhagavatam and Krishna is the the shelter of the avatars. I mean they come from him. There's the creation, there's so many nine different uh sheltered topics, which are big, big topics. And these are largely the subjects of the earlier cantos leading up to the tenth canto, where the ashrai, the shelter of all these sheltered topics, which are huge, uh is discussed and and he's just a coward boy <laughs> as it turns out well not an ordinary coward boy is the point that's why Prabhupada would emphasize read the first nine cantos then study the tenth canto so there you know there's a progression um and there in the when we hit the tenth canto of course then there is a build-up from the birth of krishna up to his his, his, his kumar leela his poganda leela it's his childhood, his, his, his boyhood, and his, and his, ultimately his adolescence in which he consummates his relationship with the gopis in the midst of the Rasalila. So this is the, this is the high point. And then after that, it, 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 it the, the text is reflecting back on that. Properly understood the mature Leela, the Dwarka Leela. We look carefully at them. They're reflecting back on the virtues of the, the, the Brajalila, where in his absence, apparent absence, their love is shining out um, more, more, more brilliantly. So in that Rasalila, then there's a point, of course, in which Krishna disappears from the gopis with Radha, then he disappears from Radha as well, then he reappears in the midst of their kirtan along the banks of the Jamuna. And sheepishly, he shows his face and they have a discussion in which they challenge him and ask him, what, what, you know, kind of lover are you anyway? And ultimately he explains that, you know, I disappeared, uh, to see the measure of your love because when one has something valuable and loses it, then their love, um, increases. But seeing the increase in the measure, the extent of your love and Radha's love amongst them in particular, Krishna is bewildered, right? Because he's Rasaraj, but he know, he knows that, he, that the, that the, that the extent to which they are experiencing, Radha is experiencing aesthetic rapture exceeds that of his own experience of Rasa. So it's a kind of a, um, a, uh, existential crisis, if you will, for Krishna. I thought I was, you know, the king of Rasa. But apparently there, there is something I don't know about Rasa. So he has to, he, you know, he's, he's, he, he, he's, uh, um, um, very, um, I'm going to say, um, um, expert, capable. What's the word I'm looking for? Uh, but anyway, he, he, uh, comes up with the means to, you know, to, to, to taste that, which of course is relative to his nature. He's a thief. So he steals. He wants to steal the bhav of, of Radha. And anyway, at that point, um, he makes a statement to, to Radha and the gopi said, your love for me is such that I could not reciprocate in kind, even if it took, you know, a day of Brahma hmm, to do so. Your saintliness, your sad, sadviness, uh, is, is its own, um, reward. Hmm? Um, and 
in that verse, if we look carefully at it, we can see um, through the grammar and the insights of our acharyas, and Arthur Goswami in particular, but more or less Krishna is saying that, that the way I can repay you is, is to become a sadhu like you. And once in the day of Brahma, to appear in the world and make devotees for you. Uh, uh, recruit. Um, so obviously this is, this is Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, right? So if we look very carefully at Krishna Leela in the, in the, the depths uh, esoteric depths of, 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 of Krishna Lila, we find Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, the genesis of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. And there, there unfolds then the same Lila, but in, extended in a way that facilitates Krishna's experiencing, uh, Radha's love for him from his vantage point. And that's what we call Gaur Lila. Therefore, Rupa Goswami or Jiva Goswami says that, um, that inside of the hexagon, well, the, the square, really, there's a square in which there's a hexagon, right? That square, this is kind of geometrically, geometric, if you will, sacred geographical, uh, description of Goloka. It's rather abstract, uh, but, uh, uh, to draw the antra, it's a square, and the square is called Sveta Dweep. Mm-hmm. And inside the square, where there's a hexagon, there's six, six different sections that correspond with the different syllables, uh, the different uh, words, I should say, of the uh, of the 18-syllable Gopal Mantra, and the Kama Bij is in the center, and so forth and so on. Uh, that's the sonic, you know, it's, 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 um, um, I don't want to say geographic, but geometric. What's, what's the word I'm thinking of? Um, yeah, I guess it's geometric. Um, and then there's the sonic description because the syllables are there. But anyway, and, and then there's the poetic, well, it's the lotus and so forth and the petals. And so anyway, inside the square, there's the lotus, there's the hexagon, and, the, and then there's the center, right? The pericap of the lotus or the center of the, the hexagon. And, and so inside the square, there's a, there's the center circle. And then there's outside the circle, which is still inside the square. And there's the inside the circle, which is also inside the square. The square is called Sveta Dweep, right? But, uh, Jiva Goswami explains that there's Sveta Dweep and then there's Para Sveta Dweep. So the Para Sveta Dweep is the Sveta Dweep inside the inner circle. And Vrindavan Dastakura said that this Leela in the Chaitanya Bhagavad of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is in, in Navadweep, the abode for his Leela is called Chaitadweep. And in the future, uh, this will be, this will be celebrated or told, revealed by, um, by other devotees. Hmm? Well, Prabhupada did that. <laughs> Prabhupada, uh, he, um, designed the cover, got an artist to depict it in India of his Bhagavatam, the first canto, which he came to America with, in which the broad part of the focus is this like sky full of Vaikuntha planets, the center of which is this, uh, Svetadweep, which is Goloka. Go- and there's Radha and Krishna in the middle. And it, but if you look carefully at it, you see, oh, it's just behind them there. In other words, the, the lotus within the lotus, if you will, there's Chaitanya Mahaprabhu performing Sankirtan. Hmm? So Gaur Leela and Krishna Leela, they're the same. Ram Leela and Krishna Leela, they're different. Hmm? They're different. Hmm? You cannot separate Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's Leela from, from, from Krishna Leela. You look at Chaitanya Mahaprabhu carefully, as I said, you'll see Krishna. And if you look more carefully, you'll see Radha. And suddenly you'll find yourself in Krishna Leela, right? This is what happened to Ramana the Roy. So, so yes, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is Krishna in a, in a particular mood within Krishna Leela. So just like we think of Krishna Leela 
and there's different moods at different times within Krishna Leela. Well, this is, this is Krishna Leela. <laughs> uh, and the, the, the extension of it, it's kind of like a reverse jacket. You know, you have a jacket, it's got gold cuffs, gold collar, and black sleeves and a black body, and you turn it inside out, and it's got black cuffs and a black collar and, and a golden body and golden sleeves. Well, that is, uh, uh, Krishna Leela is, is, is like that. It's reversible. Reversible and the object of love, Krishna, becomes, becomes the abode of love. And he's worshiping in the mood of Radha himself, right? So it's, it's peculiar. It's a little, uh, um, bewildering. And look at the, look at the contrast. The contrast is extraordinary. Krishna playing the flute. And at least in his Madhulila, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was a sannyasi. <laughs> you know, the opposite. One is the enjoyer and the opposite is, is, is the ascetic, you know. Um, but we, so just see what the Goswamis have done to put that together to identify this mendicant, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, Pandit, Nimai Pandit, Bhakta, mendicant with Krishna himself. It's quite uh, um, insightful and drawing as they have from so many scriptures to make this case, to point it out, and so on and so forth. Hmm. So, yes, um, you know, of course, that said, uh, we uh, we have to be careful in one respect that when we say that Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is Krishna himself, hmm, um, and well, if he's Krishna himself, then if Krishna's fullest expression of love is the Rasalila with the gopis, then we should become maid servants of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu hmm? and, and, and have gopi bhav in relation to Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. But the problem with this, of course, is that Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is, is trying to enter into gopi bhav himself are we going to try to take him out hmm? uh, uh, so you have to krishna vrindavan dastakur says very loudly in, Ch- in chaitanya bhagavad we have to worship bhagwan krishna relative to the mood that he's in so he is krishna rasaraj but he's in a particular mood in which he's searching after the Bab of Radha. So we should honor the mood that he's in and worship him accordingly. Therefore, the Nagar Bhav, which is a, a thing of Bengal, is, um, is, is not something taught uh, by the Goswamis. Hmm? That we, and we serve Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Yes, he's Rasaraj, but we don't serve him um, in as... Um, as gopis, we don't serve him as gopas, hmm? or as parents, we serve him all uh, in in dasya bhav. Hmm? So he is Krishna in the in the mood of a devotee of Krishna. We call it his acharya lila, hmm? where he's showing the way. And so, um, in another sense, we see him as the supreme, along with Nityananda guru figures of of Gaudiya Vaishnavism. Hmm? And as they worship, we follow their example and worship. So we worship Chaitanya Mahaprabhu in Dasya Bhav, hmm? which begets Sakya Bhav in Krishna Lila or Gopi Bhav in Krishna Lila. Therefore, properly say worship in uh in, in Mayapur, live in Vrindavan. Hmm? That would be the result. Hmm? One is the the practice, the other is the result. And the practice and the result are the same, ultimately. So I hope that helps. It's a very theologically complex uh, subject, not one that uh, any of you are unfamiliar with. But the question is good and it's worth um, some extended discussion. Sri Krishna Ki Jai. Okay, the next question is from uh, Krishna Kanaya from Berlin. She says, Pranam dear Guru Maharaj, understanding that Sanskrit is our actual mother tongue, are other languages ungodly? 
or was the evolution of different languages Krishna's will? Is there a Vedic version of the Tower of Babel story? Thank you so much. Just a quick reminder that the Tower of Babel idea from the Bible is that all nations had one language and then they came together and they started this city and built this tower. And then God, I guess he got angry about the tower or something. And then he dispersed all people and gave them different languages so that they couldn't understand each other. <laughs> I'm not familiar with that story. I don't know of any parallel in uh, Hinduism or Gaudi Vaishnavism. But um, Sanskrit is thought to be the language of devas. It's a celestial language. It's uh, in that sense, it's not a spiritual language. Um, but being a celestial language, then uh, you know, arguably, it, it has the power to convey um, uh, insights about divinity that exceed the uh, ordinary languages of the world. At the same time, of course, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and Krishna himself, when they came to the world in their Prakat Leela, they spoke a local uh, vernacular. I mean, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu spoke Bengali. Uh, Krishna spoke uh, uh, Brajbas, I guess, the language of Braj uh, at the time. And um, they were, at the same time, familiar with Sanskrit, obviously, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu knew Sanskrit. He was a, he was an expert in Sanskrit grammar and uh, um, and more, right? But his native language was uh, was was Bengali. Um, the Bengali used at the time is infused with Sanskrit words. It's called Sadhu Bhasha. So the, the Bengali Sadhu Bhasha, language of the sadhus hmm, at the time. But um, Regardless, all of these are languages of the world. So in the world, well, we're going to have to, if we're going to use language to express, speak about um, divinity, we're going to have to use a particular language of the world to do so, which has its limitations. Some of these languages, let's say Sanskrit in particular, well, you know, it, 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 it may lend itself more to such Bengali language lend itself more to enabling us to penetrate into the culture in which Chaitanya Mahaprabhu appeared and so forth. So it's valuable to, to, uh, uh, to, uh, to learn these, these languages, to be familiar with them. But they have their limitations. And so the language of that said, so the, the language of the spiritual world, the language of Vrindavan, is we we want to say it's love. Love is the language. There, um, uh, bhava is fueling everything. So it's it's, just, it's a very different um, world, if you will. There's a likeness and a similarity, and uh, you know as much as there would be, uh, and a reflection of oneself, similarity to oneself. But there's a huge difference between at the same time between the reflection of oneself on the water or in the mirror and oneself, right? So the similarity is there, but the difference is glaring as well if we look closely at it. So there's a, there's a, there's a difference. And so therefore we, therefore we want to uh, appreciate the uh, language of the scripture and understand its, um, its, 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 its value and, and, um, and the fact that knowledge of it may enable us to access uh, um, the texts and the content there um, 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 more so than if we if we're not familiar with the language. But but these are all um, languages of the world, and the world we want to go to is uh, beyond language. So uh, beyond thought, where the Upanishads say, where thought and language go, but return. They try to go there, but they can't. Hmm? They can't. So uh, therefore, I say the language is the language. There is the language of love. Now we can say Spanish is the language of love, as they do. I think Prabhupada said that, or Bengali. Hmm? It's very 
similar in its very in, in feeling, very romantic, if you will. That's true. But, you know, here we're talking about uh, romantic love in the world, which in one sense is, is the antithesis of spiritual life, even though there's a similarity and so forth. So, so there are beautiful languages. Um, and, and, but, but at the same time, the love we're talking about, the language of love, this is bhava. Hmm? And, we can't put it into words, right? We can try to, Rupa Goswami tried to talk about Baba and did, uh, and those are empowered words, but they don't do justice to what the experience is. So, um, but it, but you know, in, in love one, there's, there's no, there are no questions and no answers to be had. Love is the ultimate, is the, is the end of knowing, right? It's the end of knowing when, when Krishna says in the beginning of the Gita, He's going to teach the Rajavidya, the highest knowledge. What does he end up saying? Just love me. That's that's all. Think about me. Love me. These are the ways. And so on and so forth. So, um, you know, there's a, there's a nice song from my youth. Uh, um, I wanted to say I love you, but the words got in the way. Uh, so, uh, so we, 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 so our ideal sadhana bhakti has a goal. The goal of sadhana bhakti is bhava bhakti. Sadhana bhakti is for preparing the heart hmm, and the chitta in such a way that bhava will manifest. That Krishna Sarup Shakti will manifest. It will arise. Hmm? And so, uh, as I also say, the center of Chaitanya Charitamrita, of course, is the Madhya-lila. Madhya-lila was teaching. Hmm? The, 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 the Adi-lila is the goal. Hmm? Adi-lila is the result of the Madhya-lila that corresponds with the goal in an esoteric sense. Krishna Chaitanya became a private person from by the way in which he conducted himself publicly in Namsankirtan, Prem Namsankirtan, Prem Sankirtan. So that ultimately silenced him, right? And internally then he was experiencing Vrindavan. So what could be said about it? We try to draw maybe from Vijapati Jayadev some verses about love and separation, understand them in the context of Krishna consciousness and so forth. Um, so there, there, there's the language of silence, hmm? sound of silence, right? Something like that. Yeah. Um, Yeah, the sound of it sounds contradictory, but there's a sound to silence. That's what Krishna consciousness says. Hmm? Misunderstood, then it's just silent. But (laughs) but Om Shanti Shanti Shanti. No, no. But there's a sound to silence. Actually, that is Krishna consciousness. That is Hari Kata in the full sense. That is the that is the the village talk of 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 the Brajlila. We're told. Not to be preoccupied with gossip and village talk. Well, until you get there, <laughs> then then you can. That's the main topic, right? The gossip of Brudge uh, that we want to enter into. So again, there's a similarity in the reflection to the reality, but there's a huge difference at the same time. Another question, Ramesh? Can I ask a follow-up question? Yeah. So what about the fact that it's said in the Vedas that the mantras that are comprised of Sanskrit are eternal and completely transcendental and pure? Yeah. Well, they're, they're, what their content is, is represented in sound. And through the sound, one enters into them. Hmm? So wouldn't it then be that any language could be a mantra or, or no, if it's just a representation? Well, 
Uh, I think that, uh, you know, I, we have the idea that, of course, well, let's talk about Krishnanam. Same principle, right? Hmm? But it's not said to be Sanskrit. Hmm? Sanskrit is like the outer way in which it's, it, it appears. Hmm? So it has an, just like Krishna appears in the world, appears to be an ordinary person. Hmm? Depends, but with what eyes, you know, you, you, you look at him. If your eyes are, uh, eyes tinged with the sap of love, then you, you'll see him everywhere. If you don't have love, you won't see him anywhere. Even if he's standing in front of you, you'll think, you know, who's this? And Jaros and tried to kill him, you know, or Kamsa, or, um, and so forth. Obviously, they're not, they're not seeing him. Prabhupada used to say, well, you know, Krishna, only, only a few people really saw him. Hmm? The Pandavas so forth, his devotees understood him, but um, most people not. So there's an outer, just like the Dom, hmm? the Dom has a protomaya, that's kind of like covering of the Dom. It covers what it, its reality from uh, the eyes of those who who are not, uh, or, or those who are not trying to see at first through the Shastra and with the ears, hearing and then getting eyes. When you get those eyes, then then you don't need to hear the scripture anymore. So it's similar. So there's an, so, uh, uh, Krishna Nam is Krishna himself. It's a sound, the sound, but the sound has an external side to it, right? So you could become expert in Sanskrit and vibrate the name of Krishna and, and there are people that are, do that and, and have no devotion for Krishna whatsoever, right? Does that help? Yes, very much. Thank you. Okay, the next question is from Sham Sundar, our illustrious uh, interpreter. While I dress Dauji Gopal, I can't help but noticing how half of their jewelry comes from people who have lost faith in you over time, meaning Gromach, and I'm somewhat disturbed being reminded of them or disturbed by the fact that this is what I'm using to decorate the deities. Luckily, I was already planning on making new wigs and jewelry, so none of this will be an issue in a few weeks. But I'm wondering about my feelings. Shouldn't I be generous and think that all these devotees are at least reaping the benefits of having their offerings used in the service of Krishna and Balaram? After all, those necklaces were offered with devotion at the time. And oops, there's a little extra thing there. Let me see. Then he says, I guess my broader question is about how petty it would be to erase history, pictures and items instead of learning from it and keep it as an example. First of all, I'd say there's, there's not a lot of devotees who have made uh, jewelry or done for, for Gauji Gopal in our Sangha. So it sounds like there's half the devotees and so many devotees. So, uh, the way he presented it may be a little bit of a dis, give a distorted picture. Um, but yeah, uh, some devotees, um, have, um, uh, left our Sangha over the years and so forth. And a couple of them have, 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 um, in, in the times that they were involved, um, contributed some jewelry or something to that effect. Um, I think that um, there's two sides um, to the, the the love in Krishna consciousness. There's universal compassion on the one hand, and then there is uh, bhakti rasa on the other. And um, I saw someone gave a title at the Bhagavatam uh, to a class the other day. The Bhagavatam teaches that love is uh, unending forgiveness, something like that. Well, I'm not sure that uh, that's uh, a, a very comprehensive understanding of the nature of love as it's uh, presented in the Bhagavatam, which is when we come to Bhakti Rasa, ultimately human-like. It's human-like. Now, surely we we pass through universal compassion to come to Bhakti Rasa. That's a fact. But we 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 shouldn't um, 
um, let compa- worldly compassion in in our perspective take precedence over bhakti rasa, which sometimes shows itself in a way that that looks unlike universal compassion. Why was Chaitanya Mahaprabhu upset with um, any number of them? The one I'm thinking of, uh, um, uh, Chota Haridas. Why didn't he show universal compassion to Chota Haridas? Why was he upset with him? There are many, many. Why was he he, uh, upset with... uh, uh, Jagai Mada and Nityananda Prabhu wasn't. Hmm? That, of course, in that is Nityananda Prabhu wasn't because it was he who was offended hmm? himself that was offended. But Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was upset because because Nityananda Prabhu was offended. He was very angry. Hmm? Um, um, and so the, the, I'm speaking about the fact that in Bhakti Rasa, the love is human like it's just common human psychology if you let's say you love let's say you have a wife hmm? or with the wife you have a husband or as a wife and husband you have children and somebody um attacks your children attacks your wife vilifies your husband you know publicly and so on and so forth um are you going to feel oh we should be compassionate towards him um and so on and so forth. <laughs> no, the more dear that that person is to you, just be practical, y'all. You think of it yourself. If, if today you men out there are married, if your wife was uh, raped by somebody, hmm, uh, your first reaction would not be to be uh, unlimited compassion for that that person, right? Hmm? So this is love psychology. That, that that is love, right? Love for your wife in, in, in this instance, and love for justice. You could say also it was a, it's an unjust act and so forth. So we find this in Krishna Lila. Now, the wonderful thing about Bhakti Rasa, of course, is that uh, when Chaitanya Mahaprabhu or Krishna is upset with someone, that is good for them because. Whether Krishna is pleased with us, or our guru is pleased with us, or upset with us, that we can deal with. If they're indifferent to us, oh, then that's a problem. If the guru becomes indifferent towards the disciple, then he or she thinks, "What can I do? I can't. I can't save him. He's unteachable." But if he's upset with him, then he's. He's upset because I love you and you're acting like this and it's bad and it's not good for you. And, and, and parents love their children, but they get upset with them when they do something that's not in their own interest. So love has different ways in which, um, you know, it, it, it expresses itself when we look at the full picture. Hmm? Right. So we want to come full circle. We want to come out of the pettiness of material love, which is I love one person which means I don't love the other person. I love one country and I, and I don't love the other, whatever may be the case. Um, so two sides of the coin, they should be the same. So from that, we come to like universal love and compassion. But you know, our ideal is beyond this as well. So we have to remember that. Mm-hmm. And it plays out within Vaishnavism. In Chaitanya Leela, for example, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was upset with Balabacharya in Jagannath Puri. And none of the devotees would would entertain him, his audience. They avoided him. Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was upset with him. We are going to avoid him. That was their policy. Only Gadadhar Pandit gave in due to the fact that he was in like uh, Rukmini Bhav. That's a higher higher thing. And and Chaitanya Mahaprabhu wanted to see that Bhav in him. So So in the heart, he orchestrated that. And 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 Vallabha and and and, and that other pundit gave gave the audience to um, Balabacharya, which ultimately related resulted in Balabacharya receiving uh, the Radha Krishna mantra from um, 
Gadadhar Pandit, and as such, there is a form of Gopi Bhav in the Balabhasampradaya, along with Vatsalya Bhav. That's a, another issue, an interesting uh, topic to be sure. But um, by and large, if Chaitanya Mahaprabhu hadn't arranged this and wanted to see that particular Bhava in in uh, um, Puri, in Gadadhar Pandit, then he would not have entertained like all of the other devotees. They all avoided him like the plague. They didn't think, oh, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was upset with him, but he's such a, he's a devotee. We, 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 we should be compassionate towards him. They didn't think compa- that way, but they were compassionate. It's not that their, that their avoidance of him was devoid of compassion. Hmm? Um, but their feelings for, their feelings for Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, that let's say, I mean, this is, a, he didn't really offend Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, but there are other instances in which Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was offended and the devotees take exception and so forth. It's hard, however, to find an example of a devotee that offends, unfortunately, in the literature, but we have lots of them in everyday, everyday life in this world. Lots of devotees that make offenses. That's the, that's the problem. But in Chaitanya Lila, well, the devotees aren't the ones that are making offenses. Um, but it's a, you know, kind of a similar thing. A Balaba, uh, Mahaprabhu took exception to Balaba's, um, um, pride, if you will, hmm? expressed as, you know, I have made a better commentary than, uh, than, than, than Sridhar Swami. Please listen to it. And Chaitanya Mahaprabhu refused. Um, so he, he he disturbed Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and everybody, all the followers of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu avoided Balabhachari. But it's not that they didn't have compassion for them. So the compassion may show itself in different ways at different times. Now, in the case of yourself, Shamsundar, most of the devotees, you don't have universal compassion and you don't have Bhakti Rasa. So, so does any of this apply to either of you, to, 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 to any of you is the question. But I think that it does. And I think that we have to, think along these lines and we have to also um, be very, you know, practical. The feelings that we have, you know, uh, uh, some of the devotees that you're talking about, a couple of them, the only couple, um, uh, you know, they, they did become very uh, offensive. Now how I think about them hmm, and how you think about them, you know, maybe slightly different. Um, I was, someone was, um, very uncharitably speaking, let's say very uncharitably about me the other day. And, um, and one of my disciples here, uh, Rindarani was very upset about that. Hmm? That they said that about Guru Maharaj, you know, and I, and I said, well, you know, you know, I kind of played it down and so forth. And she became upset. She said, well, if it was about Prabhupada, how would you feel? Then I said, oh, yeah, I understand how you feel. <laughs> I appreciate that. Uh, so, so I think that, um, <laughs> that, uh, that your guru, uh, in this case, Shamsundar, he has compassion for people and you should respond in the way that you know feels natural for you with regard to your particular situation worshiping the deity well you shouldn't worship the deity with a disturbed mind so if there's something in the service that disturbs your mind then put that down hmm? Hmm? that's the first thing if certain devotees have offended uh myself or other devotees that are dear to you or or um krishna um and 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 so forth then um if we think about them in, in a way that uh constitutes being upset with them mad at them we shouldn't think that that's necessarily bad for them you're a devotee they they were devotees they they offended you're upset with them yeah. krishna uh, if you're upset with them uh, that will register with Krishna, hmm? and uh, or it will register with your guru. Hmm? Oh, they feel like this. It's, it's actually a loving feeling hmm? for your, you know, superior. And then he, Krishna, or the guru, who has the capacity to have 
universal compassion will feel compassion towards those 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 persons so you may foster the compassion that you don't yourself don't feel by uh expressing yourself in a way that corresponds with bhakti rasa even though you don't have it but is nonetheless um uh a genuine manifestation expression of of love i don't think that anyone who feels upset with devotees like i have god brothers that offended proper i'm upset with them um it doesn't mean that i don't have compassion for them but I'm, but if they need to rectify themselves <laughs> as soon as they would immediately we let them in the door oh come back in okay mm-hmm. if you feel like that mm-hmm. you, you so uh if they if they care about you the same devotees mm-hmm. they know you feel upset with them you know then they they won't want to remain in that position perhaps as well so i don't think you should deny your feelings um and i think there's um there are different ways to think about such situations and we should go with them and it depends how you know how close we are to the to, to the to the offense the offender and the offended we're going to respond differently it's easy for someone to say oh we should be compassionate but if it was your wife you know <laughs> then you wouldn't be saying the same thing so uh so i think that uh um obviously in the instance you 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 give their devotees like let's take uh, you know Prabhupada's disciple Nitai he basically translated the Chaitanya Charitamrita under Prabhupada's direction but then he offended Prabhupada and left and, and he said some he, he has written and said some very offensive things about Prabhupada and Bhakti Siddhanta and Bhakti Vinod but are we going to throw out the chaitanya chart and we well, you know we don't have another translation so we're not going to but the situation may present itself as it is in your case um so it depends how you feel on a on a particular day how you're going to deal with that hmm? and yeah, your feelings towards those devotees could go either way and i but i think if you feel upset on a day then then you you, you shouldn't offer the jewelry that they that person uh donated on on that day another day you may feel differently does that help again being upset with a devotee for having done something made an offense is not in and of itself contradictory to the idea that a devotee should be compassionate any more than being upset with your children something they've done is it is evidence of lack of compassion for them it may indeed be just the opposite the way in which compassion is expressing itself given the particular instance and circumstance so i don't think we want to have on the other side of just this very sentimental idea of compassion that 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 is it's 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 not a realistic um um you couldn't uh you know run the world like that <laughs> let's say you know okay he committed killed somebody but anyway we have to forgive him you know maybe he needs to be you know uh reformed and uh, and locked up so he doesn't kill somebody else and so and and that's not you know necessarily um um thinking like that um lack of compassion but it's it's an expression of it that it's pragmatic and practical and real and not just kind of a sentimental appearance of compassion hmm? um which you know when it's fully expressed in the fullest sense one can't function in the world you take Vasudev the leper you know so he had leprosy and worms were living off the sores on his body and they would fall off sometimes so we would pick them up and put them back on i mean you can't live in the world like that <laughs> that so we we can't imitate hmm, universal compassion hmm. um that's out of the world if you will and still mahaprabhu instructed him further well, that may be hmm, he told him but you know if the whole universe gets liberated 
There's millions more of them. He gave him a, uh, another way of looking at it. Mahaprabhu appreciated his compassion. But so hope that helps. Just a quick thought. It's almost like that's a form of spiritual bypassing to imitate that universal compassion. Yeah, that's true. That's true. So few devotees are actually there. Um, the next question is a follow-up by Kanu Ram on the uh, Krishnanam answer. Krishnanam answer? You were talking about Krishnanam in the context of Sanskrit and mantras and stuff. So he had a follow-up on that. Who? Uh, Kanuram. Kanuram. Good morning, Guru Maharaj. Can I hear you? Uh, I can hear. Uh, Kanuram, do you have the English and mute original? Mm-mm. Okay. How about now? Kurmach, did you choose English and mute original audio? Because I can hear Kanuram. Yeah, I chose English and and mute original audio. Hmm. Should I unmute the original? Oops. Now I just chose Spanish. (laughs) How about now? Yeah, now I can hear you. Okay. So my question is is about chanting Krishna Nam in English, per se. I heard Prabhupada, some people asked Prabhupada about it, and I, I heard his response, and I don't know if I've ever heard you talk about it that way, but like, could could a person chant the names of God in English in the form of a mantra and have and expect to have the same efficacy of chanting the Hare Krishna mantra in Sanskrit, so to speak? Uh, I think that... Um... That uh, you you could say that theoretically that's the case, and we do find that in the subcontinent of India, where Gaudi Vaishnavism was spread, it was adapted uh, in different areas with nuance and so forth, like the Manipuri Gaudi Vaishnavas, the Orissan Gaudi Vaishnavas, and so forth. They're all a little different in their diet. They're a little different in their the way they may do kirtan or. Um, there's the famous deity that was found at the birthplace of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu when they excavated for the temple um, following the vision of Bhaktivinoda Thakur and the Hoksaja deity was found and the deity has uh, high cheekbones and a square chin like the people of Silet where, which, is, which is close to old Assam which is close to China hmm, um, which is where uh, Jagannath Mishra was from before moving to Mayapur. <laughs> and, and so this was evidence to support that this was his household deity. <laughs> but the cute thing or the charming thing about it is, well, in Assam, they, uh, they, the, 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 the deities were crafted uh, of Krishna uh, somewhat in consideration of how people, you know, looked in Assam, right? <laughs> so, uh, so that, you know, there's something to be said for that, obviously. Um, but um, but at the same time, um, I think that, um, as I said earlier, there's value in in the original languages which um, lend themselves, you know, more in sound and syllables, letters, and and, and what and whatnot. Uh, and we're originally like. Uh, empowered the, the language in which the empowered feelings appeared and and so on and so forth but krishna one of his qualities is that is he speaks all languages right mm-hmm. um, i mean i heard him speak english and you wouldn't know that he spoke english i don't think it even i don't know if it even existed at the time of krishna but it does now <laughs> and so uh he didn't speak to me in sanskrit um and uh so um so yeah, um, uh, and I've seen that um, recently. I was asked to write a something for a publication that uh, by, by the disciples of Atulananda Maharaj in Chile, um, where they're they're publishing a book of his poetic 
Spanish renderings of songs of Bhakti Manod and Narutam Thakur and so forth. And so I, I wrote a, a nice uh, a kind of introduction to that and uh, um, and appreciated um, so that they, they, they sing the songs there. Um, and of course, it depends, you know, on, on in, in, in this sense, uh, with such songs, the, the ability of the translator to really convey, which requires understanding and feeling for the subject matter, um, the, to convey it in language, but, it, but it's possible. And you're talking about Krishna, the name of God, you know, Krishna. I don't know how you would say Krishna in English. All attractive, all attractive, all attractive. I don't think that's as attractive <laughs> as a mantra as Krishna. All attractive, all attractive, all attractive. Uh, you know, or, or some other English rendering of it or any, in any other uh, language. Um, we're not recommended, you know, to do that. So while there is a place for it in an extended sense, um, I think uh, that, that the two syllables Krishna contain, there are things, there are ideas, there are feelings that other languages don't have the capacity to do justice to, in which case we should use the language that has been employed by great saints in the past to express uh, those types of ideas. But to the extent to which our language lends itself to that expression, well, then it, 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 it may be um, uh, uh, translatable and, uh, and, and useful. Hmm? I mean, there's two sides to it. You know, the one side is to bring people in to it, right? That's why it said, well, if you're if you're a sudra, you should have a sudra guru. If you're a chatra, you should have a chatra guru. If you're from Chile, you should have a guru from Chile. Um, you know, if you're from uh, uh, Bulgaria, then you should have a Bulgarian guru. Well, that's true from the relative point of view, because the cultural similarities will lend themselves to communication, right? And the guru needs to communicate the ideas. But of course, above and beyond that, from an absolute perspective, we need a qualified, a spiritually qualified guru. So that's a secondary thing, right? You need a qualified guru. And then in the context of that, well, if he or she also is closer to us, like Prabhupada, I would see sometimes when some Indian boys were in the darshan and they were coming for the first time. And then after the darshan, Prabhupada would ask, so you understand? And they go, yes, yes. And Prabhupada would go, okay. And then, then you would find him in the kitchen washing pots. You know, Prabhupada would give the signal that if you understand it means you should be washing pots or something like that, doing menial service. So they would be there, you know, they would pick up on, on things that were more difficult for us to pick up on. There's, there's just a, a knowing, right? Hmm. Um, so again, the value for us for learning some of the, the languages and cultures and so forth, and then you know the, the limits of them as well, giving the universality of what we're, um, you know, speaking about. It's it, it's it's not an Indian thing. It's a, it's it's a, it's something about uh, it's for all jivas, right? right? Does that help? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Thank you. Good. Krishna, 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 Krishna. Hey. Okay, well, that's, uh, I don't know if we have more questions, but we don't have any more time. So there's yeah. one short question. Could we push it in? Yeah, at your request. Very good. So this is from Dial Nitai from Bulgaria. He couldn't be here because of uh, work, but he wanted to ask you, Pranam Gurumaj, I would like to ask how a Grihasta devotee at the stage of Nishta looks like in our contemporary context? How does he think? How does he feel? How does he behave? Also, what anarthas uh, he could still be struggling with? Well, I don't think that the anarthas that a grihasta could be struggling with in Nishta would be necessarily different than those of a monk or brahmachari um, given that in Nishta, uh, the primary obstacles or anarthas are overcome. Mm-hmm. So, 
it's a it's a it's a stage in which surpasses anartha nivritti. There's there's uh, anishta bhajana kriya and nishta bhajana kriya. Hmm? I guess that's another way of talking about it. So when your bhajana kriya, your your, your activities of bhajana practice are anishta unsteady, the reason is because of anarthas. When the practice becomes steady and fixed, the reason is because of the absence of anarthas. Now, Vishwana Chakravarti Thakur has talked about the extent to which anarthas will be removed at nishta, the extent to which they'll be removed at asakti, the extent to which they'll be removed in bhava, and so forth. But the, the, the primary um, obstacles in terms of anarthas are removed. Um, and so there shouldn't be much difference uh, in that regard between a grihasta and a monk. Um, but how should a monk, or how should a grihasta in the stage of nishta conduct himself? Well, a grihasta who's in nishta will know by nishta itself how to conduct oneself, but um, they will conduct themselves differently than a monk because the situation is entirely different, obviously. In the uh, discourse of Aladeh Vidyabhushana, he uh, posits the idea of three types of devotees, Sanishta, um, um, Parinishta, Parinishta, and Nirapeksha. So the, the Parinishta is a devotee who is a householder who is um, Parinishta fixed in the ideal, so you could say he's in the stage of, of Nishta, and in the context of his or her uh, married household life, well, there are duties and obligations that arise that won't arise for a monk who doesn't have children, doesn't have a household to take care of. He has to go out and beg, uh, you know, in order to to live till he has to do something, but the grihasta has some to be gainfully uh, employed and requires a little bit more than just basic sustenance for himself. He has to sustain the children and, uh, you know, and that requires a house and and, uh, and it becomes more complicated in, you know, the modern society uh, uh, largely. Um, but that said, the Parinishta devotee is in, in Baladeva's perspective, one who follows the social uh, norms hmm, of the time, which would be the Varnashram system. Um, and, 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 and all of those social norms and social obligations, social religious obligations he adheres to and so forth, even knowing that they don't enhance his bhakti or the uh, foregoing them won't negatively affect his bhakti. He, under, he or she understands this, but for the sake of living in the society and being thought of as an upright person in the eyes of others, he or she follows the Varnashram uh, system without attachment to it and sets an example as an ideal person, which then becomes attractive to you know common people who don't have Shraddha in Bhakti and by extension uh, of their attraction to you, you know, the name teachable moment may be created and, and and they may become devotees as well. So Prabhupada taught a similar thing to his disciples that they should be um, ideal uh, citizens hmm, in the world. And um, given that they have to have some livelihood, they should, uh, you know, be, the best in their field, something like that. Um, uh, so they can put some some passion into whatever is their means of of, of livelihood, and uh, and uh, stand out hmm, amongst others in the same field, and thereby um, uh, attract people to themselves, so to speak, by that example, and create a teachable moment. This was his his idea, basically. Um, now, you know, we don't live in a Varnashram society and what it means to be an ideal, uh, citizen. Well, there are obviously different, different political, you know, opinions about that. Um, 
you know, your left and your right and, and, and so forth. But I think that there are common, um, um, there, there, there's, there's, there's a lot of common ground that you can't really disagree with in terms of what it means to be an ideal, uh, person. Um, you know, you, you could take, uh, the example of a Jesus and, uh, you know, love your neighbor like yourself, be compassionate. Uh, I mean, uh, without, and if you take from both sides, I suppose that, you know, the, the, the conservative and the liberal perspective are, um, in, in, in each in need of some balance. And, um, so you, you, you find that, 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 that middle road and live as an ideal, um, citizen. And with the sense, as I've said before, that as a grihasta, um, uh, I, 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 I need the company of a, of a, of a partner and maybe together we need children to feel emotionally whole and complete. These are very, very powerful, powerful emotional, uh, physical, uh, human drives that are not just to be ignored. And that's the power of bhakti. You don't have to ignore them and become, you know, mityacharas uchite, false, uh, you know, renunciate. They, the power of bhakti is that they, they, they can be lived out in a way that um, is conducive to bhakti. Bhakti has that power. Yoga, jnana, they don't. Um, so we look at it as if I, I need a wife, I need a husband, I need, we need children, and that these are helping me in such a way that certain aspects of my humanness um, that are powerful and draw on my mind are answered hmm? and therefore they're they're an attendant or an assistant to my bhakti because if, if my mind is if, if without them my mind will be distracted and I won't be able to focus on bhakti. So let me you know see them therefore as worshipable aspects of my sadhana hmm? that because I have this therefore the problem is being solved that is makes my life more conducive, you know, to, to bhakti. Then you live in a worshipable situation. Um, but, you know, you, it's very, you have to really keep that, you know, um, uh, central uh, focus hmm? and not let it deteriorate into, well, you know, my, as, as one of my godbrothers, godsisters once told Prabhupada, my service is going to be to raise Krishna conscious children. And Prabhupada said, that's not enough. <laughs> So uh, you have to be careful not to err on, on that side. What I'm talking about is, you know, it's not an easy thing to do, but it requires nishta. Hmm? And so, as I said earlier, when you're nishta, you know what to do. Hmm? So with that, we know what to do. <laughs> now that we know what to do, we'll stop for the day, and hopefully we'll get together next week. Go to Premanandi. Shila Gurmarch, Kijai.